Hi, I'm Garrett, and welcome to The Conversation. I think conversation is one of the most important tools we have for building and maintaining genuine relationships. In the age of the internet and social media, the conversation is a dying art. While we're technically more connected than ever, it seems more difficult than ever to engage with alternative perspectives in a meaningful way. We talk past each other and speak totally different languages without even knowing it. This show is my attempt at working on that problem. I'm trying to learn how to have meaningful conversation and practice what I learn. It's partly an experiment. Maybe if I start having more difficult conversations, I can get better at it. Maybe we can all get better at it. I don't know how this experiment's going to turn out, but hey, this could be interesting. I mean, we're, we're kind of picking up, just so Evan knows, we're picking up a little bit on a conversation that we started, well, sort of picking up. We don't have to treat it as if, like, this is part two, but we at least... Yeah. Uh, th- I kind of like this, is actually. It's kind of nice because sometimes I go into these things totally fresh, and I'm, like, trying to get to know the person as we're, like, suddenly diving deep into some topic. But yeah. this was good to break the ice a little bit first. Yeah, absolutely. I think it helps out a lot, for sure. But so you're... You have a show called The Bible Says What, which we got to do earlier today, which was, that was really fun. Why, why the Bible says what, why, why, why the interest in the Bible? Well, I grew up in it, man. I grew up in the church. Are we, is this it? Yeah. Are we starting? Yeah. Awesome. All right. Yeah. I grew up in the church. Um, It actually all started. I wrote, I started, I wrote a book called The Bible Says What. Oh, wow. Um, That's impressive, uh, man. Thanks. That's difficult, but. I never thought I'd be get through it, but yeah, it started off as a bunch of note cards. Uh, like I said, I grew up in the church. I, I really started reading the Bible, and, and and what I found in there was not the same as everything I was being taught uh, from the pulpit. And so I started writing down, started with contradictions, things that I found appalling, such as the child killing and whatnot. Um, and I just grew from there. And I, it's note cards all over my office. And then I, was like, <laughs> I gotta put this somewhere, and then I put them in like in like one of these books, you know. And then from there, it just evolved, and I wrote it all down. And now, you know, years later, I'm a published author, which is really weird to say out loud. But that's incredible, though, man. <laughs> but yeah, so that's where it started from. Was was my uh, look into what I had been taught my whole life. So, I mean, a, it's interesting. A, a lot of people are kind of having some version of of that journey yeah. a lot of my peers a lot of, i mean it seems like fundamentally there was something about the story that apparently you you included we all got taught that yeah. didn't that w- didn't prepare us for for the questions that culture demanded that we ask of our worldview exactly exactly so i mean i don't know where did you where did you go i mean how, how did you get there i mean i'm just thinking about like relationally when, when, as soon as you start to ask those sorts of questions a lot of a lot of relationships start to either fall apart or you, you feel a lot of friction i assume probably at home and i mean if you're part of a church yeah. community there a lot of a lot of negative stuff can happen there too what Absolutely. what did that look like for you um well you know there's there's definitely division um because of the beliefs of my family, um, I don't. I, I don't really talk about it. 
my parents, I don't know if they know I have a show. I don't know if they know I have a book. I'm not going to be the one to be like, hey, guys, look what I've done. You know, I'm not going to rub it in their faces. They're both they're both pastors. Oh, interesting. Uh, ordained ministers and whatnot. So uh, my whole family is wildly in the church. They do everything they can, singing to preaching to teaching and all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I we just don't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> you just kind of I figured mean, out how to avoid the issue and like, like it. Right. it that seems cra- crazy that you would manage that. Do you have to sort of like, whenever you're interacting with your family, sort of just kind of kind of nod your hat whenever the certain questions come up, or or whenever it's time yeah. to like pray before a meal or something like that? Just kind of cringe a little bit with certain things, like, uh, uh, but you know, prayer. Yeah, we're just always looking around, see who else is looking around, you know. But uh, <laughs> uh, but I mean, there were, my family's back in California now, and I'm I'm in Las Vegas, so I really don't interact with them as much as I used to uh, when I was there. But there was definitely, like I write in the book uh, about my upbringing and, and with the church that I was brought up with, it was very fear-based. Uh, hell, watch out for this. If you sin a little bit, you don't know yeah. when you can die. Um, it was it was very detrimental to me uh, developing. So I, I, I struggled with that for a long time, the fear of hell and that fear of, of you know, punishment from Yahweh, this loving God. Uh, so I, I eventually broke free from that. You know, there are people that still struggle with that. And I think that that form of indoctrination, as I call it, is uh, detrimental and, and harmful to us. Have you, I mean, obviously had a huge journey processing some of this stuff. And again, that's, that's so cool that you actually managed to, to lay it all out properly and have, have a book. That's great. But <laughs> you, you, Especially with dealing, I mean, that's that's one of the biggest things that ends up turning a lot of people away is trying to understand what's all this stuff about hell, and like, yeah. especially the way it's talked about in, you know, I, I, where did you say again? You, you grew up, uh, California, Southern California is where I grew up. Okay, I, I actually don't haven't been out there too many times, but uh, especially in like Eastern U.S., I've been to a lot of different churches in in that area, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I mean, the general way in which people talked about hell in almost all the communities that I got to participate in growing up was pretty, well, at least I, I could see where you, where you get this fear thing. There was a lot of fear attached to it. Hmm. They scare you into it. They scare you into the religion. And then once you're scared and you're worried about this invisible thing, they offer an invisible cure and then you accept it. And then you're broken. You're, 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 you're worthless without this invisible cure. And it, it's really, it's really hard as a kid, you know, to deal with that kind of, uh, that kind of pressure. And, and and the way they structure things as far as you're broken and you need you need to be fixed or else you deserve this hell and, and the way to fix it is something has to die now it's like man it's just so it's so hard to to, to cycle through as a kid you know to get and then once it's stuck in there you're you're you've been taught this by your elders your parents your your people right. you trust so these, well of course like the main people real. you got to trust right and it's and that just kind of really brings it home for you you, you it's hard to get rid of. Very hard. I feel almost like kind of dumb to ask this, but have you found like you know, working through some of this, have you found some things that have like continued to ring true about the tradition you were brought up in or, or is it mostly just almost everything you get to is like, Oh, that was negative. That didn't, that didn't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, there were positive parts, of course, you know, the, 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 the love of the family and whatnot. I mean, that was definitely there. Uh, it wasn't all like fire and brimstone, but it was definitely in the background. And, and every time you went to church, they reinforced that. And I went to church three times a week. So it was, it was there. <laughs> then youth camps and youth trips and all that stuff. Uh, and kids stuff all really helped cement that home. 
I even did a puppet ministry for a little bit. I was part of that for the kids. <laughs> it was, that was fun. But, you know, in the end, I, I, I regret doing that, uh, spreading that message of, you know, even though it was fun playing the devil, I still spread that message. Broken, <laughs> and they need they need they need help with it with some invisible demigod and whatnot. But yeah, you've in a sense gone from uh, from playing the devil to now playing the devil's advocate. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, no, there's no stopping me now. I can't I mean, stop. I... It's 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 so, so rough though that you had to. I mean. You had to give up everything in order to get out of this. You had to literally pick up your life and go somewhere. Was that kind of what? That was was that the factor that told you like I I need to get out of here. I need to move somewhere else, or was it just like you went somewhere else for school? Or no, I uh, I left. You know, it's always stupid decisions, but you know, I left for for my own decisions. It wasn't really so much as the church and and leaving the faith itself. I really didn't become an official atheist until maybe like calling myself one, like maybe 12 years ago. Um, I'm 40 now. So, (laughs) so it was a while ago and it not, not that long ago that I actually just flushed it all out. And and, and really, I think reading the Bible itself really helped a lot with that. I helped clear things up because as a kid, my mom always told me, you know, you, you understand the Bible, but you don't understand the Bible. And so I went back and now I understand the Bible. (laughs) The people who wrote the Bible, and I understand what the situations were and why and how this got. It's just, it's now I get it. Now, I get it. and the more I learn, the more the 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 further I get from belief. And there's there's no going back at this point. It's like looking behind the curtain at the the Wizard of Oz. I see how it works now. I can't pull the curtain back and just pretend, and I can't. So that's interesting. I mean, like, that's inter- I, I I definitely can see. I can make sense of that story when like processing a a sort of simplified ideological version of Christianity where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. it's kind of easy to, as soon, as soon as you begin to, I mean, there's so much encouragement to like go in and read the Bible for yourself and just let it speak to you. It's, it's so simple. Yeah. It's such, it's just a simple instruction manual and it's, a, it's just a love letter from God to you. Just right. so, right. so easy to understand. And we're kind of all encouraged to do that. And then, I mean, you actually did it. Some, some people, I think maybe the whole generation of, of Christians that, that, grew up i mean I, i'm not quite the same generation as you but the, the advice they gave us a lot of us took it and realized what's going on here right yeah so there's a lot in there that they, that they don't show you and then even the stories they do show you it's it's i don't want to say softened but you know it's 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 definitely not as harsh like like for instance the lot story uh, you guys, I'm sure you're familiar with the whole Sodom and Gomorrah and all that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but if you actually read the book, the, the actual story itself, what it actually says in there is so, it's so bad. Like it starts <laughs> off with, with Yahweh doesn't understand what's going on. So he has to send two angels to understand what's going on. That's weird. And then he doesn't, he can't see it. So he sends them. And then when they get there, the whole town wants to essentially have sex with them. And, and it's all the males. And it's like, Okay, that's weird. And then Lot's like, hey, hey, don't do this horrible thing to these guys. Take my virgin daughters. Like he he softens, sweetens the deal with the, you know, the here's fresh meat. It's, it's disgusting. And then he's ready to throw them out. And then later on, he he gets them pregnant, both of them, in a cave somewhere. It's like this yeah. is a horrible story. Later on, Lot Lot is uh, referred to as a righteous man. 
I don't see that man as a righteous man or a good father at all. It's, it's, it's so weird. And, and, and when you take a look at these stories like that, and it, even the Jesus story in itself, why? When you ask why, why did Jesus have to die? Why is Yahweh unable to forgive people without some kind of bloodshed? He's an all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipotent being. He can snap his fingers and just say, you know, I forgive you. He can accept a flower for crying out loud. But no, he, he, this guy wants blood. And he's out for it, and he needs it, and requires it, you know. And that's the things you don't really get into at the pulpit. <laughs> they don't really, yeah. they don't really teach you that one. <laughs> I mean, personally, kind of going through a lot of those questions myself now, and thinking about it, it's like, for one thing, I, I, you get through processing the kind of simplified version of the story pretty quick, and it's like, okay, yeah, that this is anything but simple. The the the, right. the story that this is just a simple simple thing that you just need to accept and just take it take it on the nose it, it, like that that doesn't work but as i begin to get like exposed to different christian perspectives different um there's i don't know it seems like there's there's such a a diversity of belief about how to understand these stories within the broader christian tradition like even talking about like earlier we, were, we started talking about rene girard and, and talking about theories as to like the whole atonement thing, like, you know, about, about God needing blood. One of the ways I understand that story now is like, <laughs> it, it's so almost on its head as far as the way I was taught it growing up. But like, I'm, I'm not sure it's the case that God, you know, deeply wants to kill somebody. So that way he can, for <laughs> that way he can forgive them. Like uh, that story just, it seems as soon as I try to think about it, it sounds so backwards. <laughs> but I mean, I, I can almost make sense of it if I relate it to my own self or like the way I deal with the situation. If somebody has like wronged me, we have this idea of like justice where it's you don't feel like everything's OK until you've had a chance to like scream at somebody or, or somebody who's guilty. They get they really get it, you know, until they right. get thrown in prison, until they get, you know, mocked by society or, or whatever. I mean, like. Even looking at this this current, like there's the whole George Floyd situation, right? Mm. There's there's a lot of people who deeply identified with that story and saw, okay, there's there's injustice that's happening here, and it's interesting because I mean, it, to me, and I haven't even done a deep deep dive into that story. Mm. I've been trying to avoid getting too deeply caught into anything everyone's arguing about because doesn't seem like a fun conversation to participate in, but just processing it from kind of a, a surface <laughs> yeah. level, it, it seems like it might be a fairly complicated case. But the stories that people want to tell about it are very simple ones. Because hmm. people have, you know, people have a sense of that there, just a general sense that there's a lot of injustice in the world. And there's injustice across the nation, across America, and somebody's got to pay. Hmm. And I'm not saying that somebody actually has to pay, but I mean, like, there's that sense of, like, when you get really frustrated with the world, you want to have somebody to point at and say, it's all your fault. Right. And... And does it make you feel... It's like a scapegoat. It makes you feel better that somebody else is... It's, you're pointing that... Right, exactly. You're, you're pointing you're, somebody else. You've pointed it out. You, yeah. You've, you've figured it out. It's that person. Okay, that's the person we can blame. It's the scapegoat. It's the same thing. Yeah. I, yeah. I see what you're trying to say. So... And I'm not saying I actually understand, you know, what justice would really look like in this situation. And I'm not trying to brush off anybody's, you know, obviously the officer was convicted and he's in prison now. I don't, I don't know enough 
about the situation to say whether or not I agree with that or not. But I'm just kind of looking at that principle of this idea of a scapegoat and wanting to have somebody to blame. And I mean, when I look at the passion story, when I look at the story of Christ dying, I don't, I don't see him as a, as a character, even just looking at it as a myth. Like let's not even worry about whether or not it's historical. If I just look at that as, as a story mm-hmm. and I see somebody saying, you know, I didn't do anything wrong, but I see everybody's angry rather than pointing at somebody else and saying, oh, this is, this is, you know, Christ doesn't even point to Satan and say, it's all your fault. He takes on the burden to himself and he dies, hmm. right? And to me, I, I don't necessarily read that story as, I, I mean, obviously there's a deeply meaningful reading of that story that's, that's about sort of redemption of sins. And maybe we can, I don't know, there's still more I need to process about that angle. But one really important understanding of that story that's that I've been kind of focusing on recently is that this is a story about, you know, a hero teaching me how to be a loving or more heroic person. Uh, this is Christ teaching me how to die and and that this is the way a Christian should live is that you, I mean, there's, there is a lot of stuff like Paul talking about this and, and Christ saying, you know, take up your cross and follow me. Like what, what does that phrase mean? Take up your cross and follow me. He's seems like Christ is, is asking me, to do the same thing, to go and not blame my all of my issues on everybody else around, but to even take the burden of of suffering that uh, and and that other people are experiencing and take it on myself and die in some way. And there's maybe a a depth of poetically what that might mean, but that seems like a meaningful story to me. Well, there's lots of meaningful stories. Um, we you you mentioned the sin part. I'm just gonna happen to have this book out um bible myths and and it correlates the diff- the 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 the, um, the connections between these old stories of jesus and other deities that have existed this one is krishna krishna says that hold on wrong page krishna says and, and of course we all know that hinduism is the religion that outdates christianity what definitely outdates Christianity, even Judaism, it outdates Judaism. It's one of the oldest religions krishna says then be not sorrowful sorrowful for all Thy sins, I will deliver thee. So he's going to deliver them from their sins. Well, how's he going to do that? Think on, think thou on me, have faith in me, adore and worship me, and join thyself in meditation to me. So all of this stuff is going on to Krishna, just the way it did with Jesus. Krishna was also called the Savior, Redeemer, Preserver, Comforter, Mediator, Lord of Lords, Great Lord, the Good Shepherd, the Holy One. All these things we attribute to, to uh, Jesus. Now, that's a great story, Krishna. Oh, yeah, you know, he did this for people. Anytime somebody does something for others, it's it's going to be a decent story. Uh, you, let's just go to the, uh, what is that? Um, wow. Mm-hmm. There it is. <laughs> What's this? I'm, I just drew a blank on a movie I was thinking of. Oh, well, anyways, but there's that the the the, uh, the other one, the Avengers Endgame. We've got um, Iron Man at the end. He sacrifices himself for everybody. Yeah. Also a great story. Uh, Joseph Campbell wrote a book called A Hero with a Thousand Faces. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, it's the same thing over and over in history. We love our stories, and this is how things go, and that's how Jesus got here. That's how Krishna got here, and Buddha got here, and, and all the others. They're just stories that people tell each other through time, and, and there are benefits to some of these stories, like... Uh, the Buddhist thing where it says, you know, love each other, love your neighbor and all that stuff. The same thing that Jesus did. Um, but yeah, we can, we can, we can use these sources for that kind of thing, but you have to like, 
as far as calling it a, a good moral guide and, and, and a place to, to find these good things, it, there's so much other stuff in there that's not good, that's not beneficial, it's not helpful, that's just, it's terrible, really. There's a lot of terrible stuff in there, and we, we can talk about it, but, you know, th- there's a lot of things in there. I can go from Old Testament to New Testament, from in the beginning to the end of the, the musical apocalypse, man. That's the <laughs> title of my stuff. All the way at the end there, it, it's, it's there's bad things in there that are not really beneficial to mankind. And that's why my Bible comes complete with a warning label. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, you you talk about a a lot of, I mean, I think I agree that there's a lot of stories there that are like, that that contain some horrible stuff. I I don't think that I'm not trying to sweep that under a rug. I, I, I mean, Maybe for some people I am. Maybe there's people that I I don't think should should read those stories if they're not prepared to go and do the work of of you know trying to understand what they might imply. Because I mean, mm. re- reading any s- sort of historical piece of literature, it demands a little bit of something from you. You have to begin to yeah. you have to approach it on the terms that it's written on. So I mean, reading again, we were talking earlier about just like if you watch a horror movie with the expectation that you're watching a documentary about about a historical event you, you <laughs> might you might be confused and you might be frustrated about especially if you happen to know something else about the about the situation that the movie is is like kind of alluding to yeah. so i mean yeah i think looking at these stories there's, there's definitely a lot that could be really confusing and there's a lot of really you know horrible elements to them but to me i don't know I'm, I'm not, I don't want to push this on you, but I just like, in my own experience with reading these stories as I get a little older, it's all that strangeness doesn't turn me off so much as just kind of makes me go, whoa, that's interesting. Why on earth? Yeah. Why, why, why is it that there's, that people think that this is a good story? Why, well, why, <laughs> why is this like, what's going on this, with this crazy stuff? Like, why, why does God, you know, kill everybody in the, on the entire planet? in this story of, of Noah, right? Yeah. And like, I mean, my understanding of that story is, is a bit different now, but like, I, I just pointing to the general idea that a confusing story doesn't necessarily, I mean, I mean, it can just turn you off, but it, it can, to me, it just makes me think like, oh, this is, this is a, this is a crazy story that it, it kind of pulls me in deeper. Hmm. You want to investigate. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's that, uh, that old Testament law where it says, don't, don't uh, boil your your kid, which is the goat kid, not a kid kid. Yeah. <laughs> Don't boil your kid in his mother's milk. And man, that was so weird to me. I was like, that is that why would they even well, it turns out that the people before the Jewish people used to think that doing that would would send rain and would appease a certain deity and whatnot. So I mean, and they just carried on. Well, the Canaanites used to do this, and now we're in their land. So these people are doing things that aren't sanctified by Yahweh or produced by Yahweh or told to do by Yahweh. So that now they're bad. So they, they put all that stuff in there. So there's a lot of that as well. You stoning your kids. I mean, we'll get to the laws, man. These laws are just ridiculous. I mean, he says several places that they are, uh, um, holy, righteous, and good and perfect. I, I can't imagine any these laws being perfect, uh, stoning your child to death because he disobeyed you or, 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 or mouthed off. Wow, that's a that's a pretty severe consequence. Uh, there, there's a lot of things in there that 
he deems perfect. And, and I, and I got to know, like, is that the way things are going to be in heaven? Since these are Yahweh's perfect laws and he loves them so much, are they going to be the laws in heaven? I'm very curious about all that. Lots of different questions. <laughs> With these other religions, though, like, you know, like Krishna or like, uh, like Buddhism, hmm. do you, how do you process those stories? Like, how do you kind of determine what you, what you think is meaningful about those? Oh, well, I'll tell you the truth. I haven't read it, all of it. Um, sure. I mean, the Bible. I haven't studied yeah, yeah, it either. Yeah. So uh, I am definitely cherry picking to different spots that I know of that correlate, that, that relate to biblical stuff. So, yeah, I'm not real familiar with all the story. I know there's, there's, there's different versions, same as the Bible and whatnot. But, um, yeah, no, I, they're just other stories to me. They're just... To me, all these religions, all these Bibles, all these these books of truth uh, from the past are just just us humans trying to figure things out as we go along. We we have no idea. They thought you know that they didn't know where the sun went at night. They thought a volcano was an angry god, a thunderstorm. Wow, what did you do? You know, <laughs> why are we getting a thunderstorm? Yeah. Oh man, kill somebody. <laughs> I mean, part of what you can what you could do with that. I mean, like, yeah. There, there are sort of intuitive ways you can tell a story about physical reality and like, yeah, like, oh, the, the earth is flat and the sun, it goes down underneath the earth at night and then, uh, and then it comes back up and, oh, there's probably, I mean, who's doing that? I mean, usually when I'm, when, when I see light moving around, it's because somebody's moving it. So there's probably like a God uh, pushing that around or something like that. So, I mean, there's all this kind of connective, I mean, you can, you can tell a great story about that. That seems to make sense. But the, the thing that's kind of interesting, and I mean, I, I've, read a little bit of Joseph Campbell and I'm interested by like Carl Jung and all these different guys who have, you know, found, found these stories really interesting too and tried to make sense of, especially, I mean, you talked about Joseph Campbell. He, he like, he saw these motifs showing up in all kinds of stories. Right. So he's like wondering why is it that there are so many stories that, that get caught on the same motifs? What is it about, about this? Right. And that's kind of more where my mind goes it's like these there's there's so many stories here and it's like okay you can make up a silly story about like, i mean dads do this all the time with with when their kids ask them a question about you know <laughs> where does the sun go at night or like where do clouds come from <laughs> i read a lot of calvin and Hobbes growing up and, and the answers oh. his dad gave it's always like, like the collection man i said oh you got that too yeah i've got actually it's sitting, sitting in my home it's it, it's it's awesome that they put them all in one big thing it, it has all yeah. the dates on them too which is great but I mean, yeah, like the way the way we like kids ask ask a difficult question and it's like, okay, I'm not even sure I know the real answer to this question, but sometimes you tell a story about it and there's something about that story that that rings true. And it's not necessarily that it's like, okay, it's physically or scientifically or historically true. But I mean, what what do we mean when we say it rings true, right? That that's a different kind of truth. Well, what makes these stories so popular is that the hero's journey, it's a certain tale that we as humans are very in tune with, uh, that, you know, you, you start off on your journey. Yeah. It's hugely popular. Every story that's usually popular has that formula in it. Yeah. So at the basis, that's what the formula is. That's the same with yeah. the Bible. You have the hero's journey. Jesus starts off, he dies, he comes back and conquers the world and death and all that shenanigans. So it's the same story. It's We like that kind of story. And as humans, man, we just eat it up. Love it. I love it. Give me another story. But do you see <laughs> Give me another like Avengers. A, as, as like a flaw that we <laughs> I mean, do that? Or is it but like, do you see that as like a, as, no, as like a flaw that we do that? Or is it like... If we're like... 
um, for using it negatively, like such as the Bible um, and, and the things that it promotes. But but yeah, no, it's just, it's entertainment, and that's we need to be entertained. We need to be constantly, you know, uh, stimulated and whatnot. Most of us, some of us, I do. <laughs> So, I mean, I love these stories. You, I'm sure you love these stories. Star yeah. Wars is another one, you know. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know if I mentioned that, but that's the big one. But, I mean, is that so. is that kind of your understanding of, like, what stories are useful for? Is that primarily it's, like, it's amusement, entertainment? Yeah, the point of stories? We can learn from them, of course. Yeah, like 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 we went back to the Iron Man thing. Sac- yeah. Sacrifice yourself for the greater good. Spock, same thing, you know. Live long and prosper. The good of the one, the, <laughs> or the good of the many outweighs the good of the one, you know, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it makes sense. And Love your neighbor, you know, help them out. These are just, they're a moral guide honestly like I, I can go to star trek and have that be a better moral guide than than the bible captain kirk or, or john luke picard and none of them go around slaughtering just a bunch of people because they didn't listen to him he tries to help out if anybody's enslaved guess what he's going to do he's going to try and unenslave them i mean right. he's going to do good wherever he goes and i don't see that kind of same um characteristic for the the god of the bible I don't. Even Jesus himself, I don't see that characteristic. He's going to come back at the end of the time with his with his angel buddies and destroy me because I don't believe. Especially since I'm spreading the blasphemy. <laughs> I got, probably got a special spot for me in hell. I mean, <laughs> as as far as like the accounts of Jesus's life and those stories, is like that character obviously was, seems quite a bit different than the than the crazy epic thing that happens in Revelation. Well, I mean, he even says, though, in the, like Matthew, um, oh, man, I'm on the wrong thing here. But in Matthew, he says, uh, he says that don't, don't think I come to bring peace, but I come to bring a sword and division between families. And he's going to come back and, and kindle a fire and how he wishes it was already done. It's like, man, dude, it, it doesn't sound like a very loving, peaceful guy. And then you get to Revelation. It's actually not Jesus. Sorry, excuse me. Hold on beer drinking too fast <laughs> so all all those uh it, it, all the things that happen in revelation are mainly yahweh these are the the, the seven bowls of yahweh that are being poured the wrath and it just yeah. gets really crazy but uh but jesus is just a dead lamb he, he it's weird he's like dressed up in like a dead lamb costume and that's the only way to open the seal that's it's really confusing but jesus is only like this great guru in a small part of the gospels and then paul takes what he heard or or read or whatever from those spots and then just expands on it so it's like with would if george lucas oh like what george lucas did he's <laughs> <laughs> and and disney just expanded on it and now we have so much star wars i can't even keep up with it so it, it's essentially the same thing it's just these stories get passed on and we change them we manipulate them we spread them we love them we we hold them well, we I mean, cherish them even looking at the star wars movies though mm. there's something about those that original three that original trilogy mm. that like you ask almost anybody and they'll say those are just the best ones right almost anybody almost anybody <laughs> sure I don't, I don't know what your personal <laughs> take on this is <laughs> No, I love the first three. Are the, definitely, that's it. Those okay. are the gold right there. So why is that? Um, originals are always nice, I guess, because that's where, you know, it, I think that, you know, like, he put the most heart into it, is what I, I'm trying to say here. He put sure. the most heart into the, his first three. These were his things. Those were where the most of the attention was spent. Um, 
not afterwards when he changed everything and added a bunch of crap, but like the original three on VHS, like I used to have back in the day, those were the ones. Um, And they told the story that that was everything you need. That was your, your, uh, your go-to your, your original source, I guess you could say. Well, I mean, like we criticize some artists. There's a certain criticism anyways, that's somewhat common of like saying like you're trying too hard. Right, I I think you might even be able to th- hurl that at that second trilogy that George Lucas did. Right, it's like, yeah. I mean, you talk about effort, but I, like I, I'm not sure it was less. It may have been more effort that went into those, and maybe that's even what kind of ruined them. Well, could you imagine the pressure they were under? Yeah, you know, you yeah. created these three historic movies, yeah. and now all of a sudden you have to expand on that universe. Oh, I did not want that responsibility. No, no. thank you. <laughs> no, yeah, you can't win with that kind of thing. No way. I don't know. I guess I'm just trying to like dig down to what it is. Like, there's it's just something about values. Like, it's some some art lasts for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Some art people just continue to look at it, and every time they look at it, it continues to speak to them. Hmm. And, I mean, I don't think you can make sense of that through a model of just like, you know, art being there for amusement. Well. Human expression, um, I guess, you know, want to see the best in humanity. Some of that's in there. Um, the best in humanity. So, yeah, like there's a lot of art that that is the best of humanity. You know, things that are beautiful, things that have been, you know, you can't be recreated and whatnot. Like music itself, you know, I, I think music is one of the, the, the greatest expressions that, that we can do, that we can use, that we have a tool. Yeah. Uh, it, it's amazing. Just like just certain things can can move you to tears can can get you jumping up and down clapping and screaming minus the Yahweh part you know you don't need all that God stuff in there to do that um like flogging Molly my one of my favorite bands if I, if I see them live dude the energy in yeah just rah, this is so much fun you know you're just you're there it's an right. experience it's well it's I mean to me part of it in I I really love going to concerts too and there's something about it that uh, it it feels like transcended, or you you like mm. when like I, I I really like Arcade Fire. I've seen them a couple times, mm. um, but any band like I mean I saw John Mayer last year. I'm just man. Now you got me thinking about how great live music is and missing it's it so, so much. Fun. I'm I miss it. I miss it. <laughs> Sorry, I we're, we're having a couple different video issues with my uh, my phone here, but Uh-oh. whatever. Okay. But I mean, whenever I have those experiences, it's like it's something about it. It's like you, you, you step out of yourself a little bit. You're part of something bigger, right? Hmm. I mean, that crowd, you know. Right. Well, I mean, you talked even earlier about humanism. Like hmm. that, that's a, again, that's kind of a very intuitive value. It's like, what is it that's so valuable about humans? I mean, like you can, you can read everything through a really base level or a really, um, well, we, we like humanism because we like ourselves and we want to preserve our species. But I mean, I, I don't know. Is that where your mind goes? Do you do you have a sense of that? There's a deeper value to to the human spirit, or or, or to humanity, or like the value that I give to humanity is, is based subjectively, obviously, you know, my own experiences and whatnot. Um, I guess, and you know, it's pretty amazing that we're here, that we've we've evolved to this state, that we've been able to do the things we can do. So to, again, to be a part of that is is, is astounding. I'm so glad I'm here. To be a part of that and i want to help out to make it a better place for everybody else here who's during that part of it um and 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 i wouldn't want to be the one who's persecuted be the one who is 
uh, ridiculed or or um, enslaved, I guess you could say. You know, I don't want to be that person. So if I don't want to be somebody who's like that, I'm sure nobody else wants to be enslaved or anything else. They wouldn't want that kind of detrimental uh, things to happen to them. So that's where my humanity comes from. I want to, I want to uh, better the world. Well, do it with less harm. If it's going to harm somebody else, let's not do it. Let's, let's, let's keep going forward. Uh, progression. You know, and I think we're heading that way. I think we've talked about this earlier. It was just, I, I think with the, the way we're going, we're getting there. We have a lot of work to do, of course. Um, but I think that humanity has definitely taken a turn more towards the humanistic side, more towards um, we're all in this together. We all live in this planet together. Yeah. The, the chemicals from China, are they're going to fly over here if we, if we don't stop doing that. Our plastic is going to float on the ocean all over there. You know? Yeah. So we're all connected. Everything we do is going to affect somebody along the way, the butterfly effect type thing. You know? So I'm going to do the best I can for what I, uh, my area, my, my planet, my people, my, my whatever yeah. you know, companions I live on this planet with, the animals and whatnot. So, I mean, yeah, you, you get into this, as soon as you start talking about yeah humanism or values and things like that, you, you kind of get into talking about a more abstract sense of like humanity and like, mm. you know, okay, I want to contribute to humanity is this like kind of, again, this really yeah. huge abstract entity that transcends you. It's like you want to be part of that and contribute to that in a, in a meaningful way. It's not that I want to. Um, I mean, you feel like driven to or somebody else do it. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> um, I, you know, there's this line. I hate, I hate this line, but it's, it's uh, the diehard movies where uh, he's like, why are you doing this? Why can't you just let somebody else do this? He's like, cause nobody else is doing it. I have to do it. You know, nobody else can do it. I feel I'm the best one to, to do it at this point from in my voice, in yeah. my way and uh, in, in, in my message and whatnot. So that's where I'm at with it. Uh, I, I feel there's a lot of great atheistic voices, but I'm just going to throw mine in as well because I have something else to say as well. I have something to add to it. Yeah, That's where I'm at with that. It's, it's interesting. It's like, I, I feel like almost the same sort of call. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, <laughs> there's something that, that needs to be done. I mean, to me, I, I kind of frame it more as, okay, there's, there's, there's a need for meaningful stories to be told. Hmm. And... I, I mean, partially just as an artist, as a musician, it's like I want to do my best to tap into those and, and figure out what, what it is that makes a good story, what it is that, that is, makes something meaningful and, and what it is that drives people to do. I mean, but I mean, I start thinking about values, I think about meaning, and it's like, hmm. how do I define those things? How do I just discover what those things are? And I'm not just going to jump two steps ahead and say, oh, well, you just, just take the Bible. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, there is a certain mechanic to it, though, that, that, like, you can process things on an abstract group level that you don't have the potential to do on an individual level. Like, I, I hmm. that, that's what you, we do even when we're having a conversation, or especially with friends. It's like, you throw an idea out there, and rather than having to do all of the processing on your own rational mind or even in your own intuitive mind, you throw it into this group, and there's suddenly, the, that group hive mind processes the idea. And something else pops out, or, or some some solution, or some you digest the idea in a way that you wouldn't be able to on your own. Maybe just not as efficiently, or not as quickly, but maybe just it wouldn't even be possible because the, those other minds that are participating in that conversation have something to offer that you don't, right? So, like, absolutely on that level, it's like it seems obvious that it, it, in order to figure, I mean, to ask especially a really abstract question like what determines what's valuable, what determines what's meaningful. 
I I don't know how to even where to start by asking asking that question, right? But I mean, I mean, what I actually do is is I talk to people who who I value and and who are meaningful relationships in my life, and so I I be, I begin to try to let that process you know take over the problem a little bit, and I see okay, well, this is what we think is valuable, hmm. and to a to a greater scale, here's what I'm gonna I'm gonna Jesus smuggle a little bit. I, <laughs> I, I want to have that comfort of being able to participate in a really big community too. So I mean, it's not just a matter of just skipping right in there. It's just, but I, I see the value of being able to process problems on a larger level by participating in a community, and mm-hmm. that's fundamentally what I kind of see religion as, like what a religion is. It's, it's a community of people trying to, especially tackle those really, really difficult, really abstract questions like what truth is and what's valuable mm. and what's meaningful. And well, the, I mean, the issue what I see is they're using, they're using the Bible for that. And I, what I see is like a Bible bubble. Uh, I grew up in a Bible bubble. I was, I didn't know anything. I had no idea there was the word atheist. I didn't know there were people out there that didn't believe the yeah. Bible to be true. Like that, when I found that out, that blew my mind. Like, yeah. wow, what's wrong with that person? Why don't they believe that? Weird. What's yeah. wrong? So it, once you're outside of that that bubble, there's more to it. There's there's a lot more, and you, and it kind of opens your eyes a little bit. Uh, I forgot where I was going with it, but that's well, I mean, bubble bubble. That, that's that's I think that's an important thing to 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 notice because yeah, we can't actually we can't do religion the way that certain people have have done historically, where we just kind of. We learn about the way that we see things, but we don't bother to learn about anybody else's worldview because they're the other. They're not part of our community. But now, especially, I mean, it's just like certain revolutionary things like like cities or like now the internet. That's the craziest thing is that suddenly the internet, now we're connected to the entire world. And, and But just also ease of travel, like suddenly being able to like, I can just decide I want to move to another country. Like, I'm just, I'm 26 years old. I can just decide I want to do that. Yeah. And and I could do it. I could, I could even if I don't have the money for it. I could, I could just get a loan. Like the ease of access to everything and to extreme mobility is at a crazy place that has never been before. So all of these like ancient traditions, ancient ways of processing reality, suddenly have to be. If we want to hold on to anything about them, we have to radically re- reconfigure them, radically refigure out how they're going to interact with reality. And like yeah, having a church community that just is is super tight and closed and bubbled off that kind of pretends the whole world doesn't exist, that that doesn't work anymore. And it, No, well, the Catholic Church is still trying, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, well, Christianity, it, it, it's, it's evolved over time. Uh, it's, it's definitely not the way it used to be. We're not burning witches anymore. Yeah. Uh, we're not sacrificing animals. It, it's, it's Well, that was Judaism, but they're still not doing it either. Uh, we've evolved, and it has to evolve with the times and the, and, the, and, the, and the changes in society itself. They can't hold on to those old things that they used to. And I see that a lot with Christianity and, and a lot of the new Christians. I don't know what to call them, but they're like newer Christians, and they're all just focused on Jesus alone. And yes, the Bible's there. It's a book, and it's all this, but whatever. We're just going to focus on Jesus. And it always goes back to Jesus. The Bible isn't that great. And, and, and when you... <laughs> It's not. I mean, he, he curses the fig tree. Why? Because he was hangry. He didn't have food, and it didn't. It wasn't even in season. And why would you do that? Why would you curse it and not make it grow fruit? I mean, you're you're still hungry now. Now you've killed something, and you're still hungry. 
it, 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 I didn't see the point in that. There's a lot of things in there that don't make sense. And the stuff that is beneficial can be traced back to older sources that have just worked it through first. And Christianity came along. Judaism came along. Uh, they they, they li- literally took Baal's name out of it and put Yahweh in a lot of it, too. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's pretty amazing. And, and I can't get behind... Um, I can't get behind it as truth after that, after knowing that. Like I said, look behind the curtain. I know after it, knowing that and, it was that there's like stuff that's incorporated from other traditions or correct. Yeah. Well that that's one one of the main main or one of the uh, uh many reasons why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, I mean yeah, for sure. Situations like that fig tree story again, like when I run into those stories now. I guess I mean it's partially just the community you end up being surrounded by. There there are people that I that I'm interested in on the internet and people that I know that that have have interesting approaches, have interesting interpretations of all those almost all those crazy stories. I, I I'm sure somebody's told me something about that fig tree. I, I've heard people spin that story out twenty different ways and it's it's kinda interesting. But I mean yeah. so, some of some of these things I, I, I've gone back and I've tapped back into and, and wondered about and I've got really meaningful answers to those questions like i mean this silly simple example but like the idea of um i mean this this is a good one because it's kind of arbitrary it seems like like the priests their garments they're not supposed to weave the ends of they're supposed to leave tassels right yeah surface level i mean when you read that what's your what's your impression why (laughs) (laughs) exactly why i mean what's what's the big deal that's a great question why but i mean Mm -hmm. if if you can talk to somebody who has an answer to that why, and maybe it's not even the perfectly correct version of the answer, but I mean, like that has an answer. Sometimes you get somewhere really interesting. Like what I've heard now, there's some Orthodox teachers that I'm following. One, uh, one's name is Jonathan Peugeot. He's got some really interesting takes on, especially interpreting a lot of the strange symbolism stuff in the Bible. But hmm. when he talks about this, you know, the tassels at the end of the garment, to him, that's the same motif as like the Sabbath or as tithing, or as um, not not uh, harvesting your entire field, and the common thread thread uh, between all these stories <laughs> is <laughs> is that you it's it's almost like a warning against ideology. It's like don't ever pretend that your understanding of reality is good enough that you can imp- implement it into one hundred percent of your life. You always need to leave room for a margin and recognize that you're your understanding, your ideology only goes so far. And that, to me, seems to be... I mean, I, I don't know of other traditions that, that have that element, but that is, I mean, a really, really important, meaningful narrative that I think is especially really applicable to right now. Like, ideology is, is one of, from my perspective, one of the most difficult and prominent problems that we're struggling with in, in the developed world. Well, there are lots of, of great sayings from the Buddha himself. I mean, that alone, which predates Jesus. Uh, there's a lot of great sayings in there. I don't know all of them. I can't quote them, but I do know that they're there. Um, and, and I could go back to it eventually. I'll go back, get back to you on it and whatnot. I, I'd really like to study that, actually. It's a uh, next actually, project, maybe. But. Well, there's a, there's a guy I'm going to be talking to pretty soon, and maybe you should check out some of his stuff. because he's So he's, he's an atheist as well, but he's really, really interested in especially the Buddhist tradition and Zen and stuff yeah. like that. And his his name is John Verveke, and he's hmm. doing this thing called like the uh, awakening from the meaning crisis. But I mean, 
despite not being a theist or not not ha- I mean he he is a materialist but despite that he he still has this sense of like okay we're struggling to find meaning trying to figure out what me so he's he's tapping into some of those same questions that I find really really interesting and that I think religion is kind of a vehicle to to attempt to solve or to work on anyways some of them try to answer that yeah I mean but in the end it's all you it's all subjective it's all personal I mean, it, your what you come up with is all you. It's your experiences. It's 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 what you've read. It's what you've seen. It's what you've. you've well, it, it it can be, but I mean, the, the community element is that it, it can also be intersubjective. Hmm. Right. You have a chance well, to process things from a relational perspective, and if you do that with texts as well, and you and you hold on to things that you think are particularly important, then you get to let that that interpersonal conversation inter interpersonal processing of ideas happen over a long period of time too yeah no there's definitely the outside influence as well um for sure but what i wanted to get to while you were mentioning those uh those those things you were talking about there with the the i forgot but the stairs on the altar was one i was going to bring back okay Uh, (laughs) it was uh, (laughs) back in the old testament it was another funny thing that that yahweh had said he said uh, he didn't want any more stairs on the altars. It was another rule from him. And well, the reason why he puts it later on is because he was tired of seeing their genitals. Genitals. So he, because no one wore underwear, apparently. Right. I mean, to solve this problem, right. you could have just been like, hey, why don't you guys throw on some underwear? Right. But it's the desert. Wait, he corrected that later in his Mormon tradition, right? Yeah. He tells him to wear a specific, <laughs> you better wear underwear and it's got to be this kind. Special underwear. It's very man. Man, that stuff was ugly. Oh, man. <laughs> I can't even imagine. It had to be uncomfortable, too. It did not look comfortable. But yeah, there's a lot of things in there, evolution of things. And, and I mean, and, symbolically and speaking, though, symbolically speaking, but I mean, if if there's a, a sense of, okay, you shouldn't, well, I mean, how do we process genitals? We, we, we think about them as like something that's, even still, we kind of like, I mean, there's some movements that are like, oh, you know, there's no shame in anything, but there's not very many nudists out there. <laughs> in general, we, we have yeah. this, this sense as humans that like, that we don't we cover that part of ourselves we don't show it to people so i mean I, I can see why that would be a meaningful element of the story to say okay we're not going to to um to <laughs> disrespect something yeah or or like the way i mean just talking about the idea of worship it's like if you want to sort of set something above yourself and say this is something that's that's higher than my understanding and that is worth like submitting myself to it Hmm. Um, that it's it's worth something, so I worship it. I think worth and worship it come from the same root root word too. Um, so to talk about worshiping something, it's like okay, so I don't want to um, I don't want to face that with the worst part of me. I want to offer my like my best to that. I want to I want to like I, I guess you could kind of bring this down to a, a relational aspect too. Like when it, when you're interacting with somebody that you respect, hmm. you present yourself in a different way you try to kind of be the most respectful, most, um, I don't know, the, the best, best you, version you of, can, yeah, the best you, you could be. It's not even, it's just like, because you have this sense of that this person is, I mean, socially at least, it's like, okay, there's there's a status thing here. I need to respect this. My society says that this person is a valuable person, is done something worth, you know, sort of worshiping. So they, they did something that's worthwhile. And so yeah. when I'm interacting with them, I want to like, I have to. I participate in my societal processing of an idea that that there's something about this person that's valuable. So I'm going to treat them like I treat something that's valuable. Treat it as if it has value, and you know, I'm not going to sit there and expose the worst part of myself. Or, you know, it's kind of like it's a shameful thing, right? 
Well, I understand, but I, what I what I don't understand is why Yahweh deserves this respect, this worship. That's what I don't understand. Okay, I mean, if your conceptions about God are kind of stripped away, and you just kind of just start from the ground up and and reimagine a new character that that is God, okay, which okay. I, I would almost argue that everybody has one of these, anyways. Everybody has a conception of of what they think is the best way to behave, mm. right? The best way to treat people, the best way to live. From my perspective, that's I, I'm not I'm not trying to sneak something in here and say, well, secretly you believe in Yahweh, but I'm <laughs> I'm I think everybody has. <laughs> <laughs> I think even talking about a god has something to do with it. this is a reflection of your values, right? On a personal level, it's like you can personify, you can imagine somebody living the best way. And whenever you're acting or doing anything or saying anything, you kind of, in your head, there's this conscience voice that compares the way you're acting with the way you think you ought to be acting. Hmm. Right? And so you could do that on a really subjective level, but then, again, you can you can do it on a community level and you can, you can kind of try to conceive of God. But again, another thing that's really important about the tradition of God well, of, of many religious traditions beyond Christianity is that there's an idea that God is holy. So God is something that you can't actually, you can't tell a true story about God. Huh. Like, God God is beyond your, uh, uh, you, you can't conceive of God. He's holy, right? So just to, this is something that's really part of the Jewish tradition, though, is that you can't, that's why they don't even say Yahweh's name, is because they're like, we don't get it. We admit it. We don't get it. So we're not even going to say his name because we're probably going to say it wrong. Hmm. Right? And to me, it's like, okay. He's going to get mad. <laughs> he's going to get mad. Well, I mean, when you misidentify somebody and, and you, when, when you speak of God, I mean, this is, can come back to the kind of the ideology thing. Hmm. When you try to describe God fully and say, okay, I know actually what's best for reality, you create... I mean, this is what I would call as sort of an idol. You create a conception of God that is static and that you can comprehend and that you can worship that that fits inside of your understanding of, of reality. It's, it, again, it's, it's to assume that you actually know how things ought to go. Right? Your own personal Jesus. It, 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 yeah. yeah. And so as soon as you begin to worship that, that evil thing, <laughs> it, it has some wrath to it, or at least it, it doesn't... I guess I'm kind of just jumping into silly Christianese terms again, but uh, <laughs> okay. when, when, when you start to worship a conception of the best thing that you can understand, then the flaws in that understanding of the best way to, to live reveal themselves. I mean, this is evident looking at almost any, uh, I would probably say all of the atrocities committed by humans throughout history is that they basically thought they had figured it out and they acted on it. Hmm. And I mean, obviously, yeah, you can look at the atrocities that the that the Israelites committed, or assuming, I mean, the whole story about them, them slaughtering the Canaanites, whether or not they actually did that or not, that's yeah. <laughs> that's another another story. But I mean, they they at least believe that, that, that that's part of their story, anyways. Again, I'm not even sure if they believe that historically or how they processed that, but like that was their that was their stories that they go and then they take out these people, mm -hmm. and I mean. 
I have I have different understandings of how to process that story, but but maybe that's kind of getting off the left field of, of the main thing I was well, trying to. Theology doesn't support their their uh, right, yeah, their claims there. Yeah, unfortunately, sorry guys. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's again, it's like okay, if if you want to read the Bible as if it's an archaeological textbook, hmm. go for it. But it's it, it, now that we actually have sciences of archaeology, it's not going to get yeah. you that far if you want to step out beyond that the little bubble of of your own community. Historical fiction, at best. <laughs> sure. That's right. Look at it. Well, you know, they they had these 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 uh, cities that were in ruins. Oh, we're great people. Let's say, hey, guess what? We we destroyed that town. We went around. And it was Jericho. We went around with our trumpets. It was really cool. You should have been there. <laughs> but, you know, and, yeah. And it's a, in essence, they're just in, in, you know inflammatory stories uh, made up just to explain things around them. But so when you do that, and when you tell a I mean, this is the source of a lot of even our kind of modern fairy tales and stuff, but just the stories that we tell about about our tradition, about our people, or we have we have silly kind of modern myths like like John, is it John Bunyan who had like the blue uh, blue ox, yeah, blue ox and stuff, yeah. Washington, the cherry tree thing. Exactly, it's like this stuff yeah. is probably extra historical, but something about it sticks, and why does it stick, right? So, so something gets affixed to a historical fiction. That's deeper than the historical fiction, and that's that's part of. I mean, that that's what I understand mythology to be in so, to some extent is that it's okay. It's sort of riffing on on something that's historical, but I don't even think that the intention of the storyteller is to again to to give this sort of modernist historical account of reality. I think that's a very modern way of telling stories, and it's it's still telling stories. It's still sweeping away most of the data to focus on a few things that we think are important but they were focusing on other things that they thought were important in these stories and well, it's like the, the telephone game exactly i mean you you tell one person well they'll, they'll take what they like out of it and they can even add to it they can subtract to it they can put yeah. their own feelings into it and, and then the, the story morphs and then it right. goes on and on well somebody likes something out of it and, and they even uh, thinking about that game is like what's so interesting about that to me is that at the end of the telephone game, or especially if the game keeps on getting played ad infinitum, you you don't get the you don't get the perspective or or any subjective view of of what you know what one person thinks. If you look at it from sort of a psychological perspective, you get the <laughs> unconscious of everybody in that chain <laughs> yeah. somehow contributing something that like for some reason they thought they heard or they wanted to hear from a, like a Freudian perspective, to, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so it's like. Then you get this story that people are all, it's like, okay, people people want to hear this story. Why do they want to hear this story? That's the question. That's kind of where my mind goes trying to process these stories. It's like, okay, partially we want to hear it, but then when you just say something that you want to hear, you say it and, and it's kind of out of the way. But when you say something that like you don't understand, but that like, again, something that sticks with you, what, why does it stick with you for so long? What, why does it keep on coming back, right? Hmm. Well, it's like that hero's journey. It makes you feel good. Like when, when, when the hero comes back and takes on the thing and it, whatever it happens to be, that challenge, and, and is victorious, you're there, you're with him, you're, you're, you're in that seat, you know, you're part of yeah, it. But with and the Christian story, excited. it doesn't just make you feel good. Well, it, that's pretty much what it, well, okay, to me, that's all it is. It's just a feel-good story for people that, that want this hope. But you, you brought this up, though, that Christianity has this freaking hell thing. Right, exactly. For them, but it doesn't just make you feel good. <laughs> it makes them feel good that they're not going to go to hell. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess depending on what kind of Christian you are, a lot of Christians that I knew growing up really, there is that constant like 
fear of that if I'm not living my life right, I could end up in hell. I mm. maybe it's worth let, let's go down this rabbit hole, man. This, this, it, it, it's it's going to be horrible, but <laughs> let's talk about hell. <laughs> <laughs> Let me grab my hell paper right here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's Matthew. <laughs> But there, there's a lot of hell in, in the Bible, and it's, and it's some scary stuff. You know, endless torment. There it is. Uh, fiery lake of burning sulfur, Revelation 21.8, Revelation 19.20, Revelation 20.10, lake of fire, Revelation 20.15, eternal fire in Jude, uh, fiery furnace, weeping and gnashing of teeth, everlasting destruction, eternal punishment, shame and everlasting contempt. Uh, and then my, my personal favorite is in uh, Matthew 10.28 when it says that, uh, Yahweh himself will be in hell destroying souls. Uh, it actually doesn't say Yahweh. It says he, but the he is capitalized, and there's no way in hell <laughs> they would capitalize Satan's he. So that's where I go with that one. I mean, so again, whenever you're telling your so mythology, when you're telling a story to help kind of guide, and again, I, I think all these myths and religious stories, they have to do with values. They have to do with how you direct where you want to go as a people or as a society. Right. You can't tell a meaningful story about where you want to go without talking about where you don't want to go. Yeah, but hell's kind of an extreme, don't you think? Yeah, I, mean, I, I think everything about the Christian story is that is that it, it it goes all the way to the end, and it tells the extreme worst version and the extreme best version <laughs> of the story. It says, okay, this is where things could go if we just absolutely <laughs> we we didn't pay attention to any of the things that we thought were right. Right. If we just treat people horribly and we we're going to build hell. This, this is where we're going to go. If it was only for people that treated other people horribly, it'd be different. It, it I still wouldn't agree, but it would still be different. Um, it's still different because right now, as it stands, what it says in Revelation is people like me, atheists, people that don't believe, are going to be tormented for eternity in this hellfire. I don't think that's a just and 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 righteous thing to do at all. Where does it say in Revelation that atheists will go to hell? Yes. I was hoping you'd ask me that because I don't have to look it up. (laughs) Find it here. Oh, it's under my atheist tab. Jesus will throw me into hell. Man, Yahweh's wrath. Oh, there it is. Revelation 21.8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the unbelieving, that's me. Uh, the vile, that's probably me too. The murderers, <laughs> the sexually immoral, those who practice magical arts, the idolaters, and all liars, not some, but all liars, their place will be in the fiery burning or the fiery lake of burning sulfur. That's Revelation 21.8. Okay. So, so, again, trying to understand revelation as a uh, again from, from a fundamentalist perspective it's pretty easy to follow okay, well this is just what's going to happen yeah. trying to read it the way that the the author of that book wrote it and to the audience they were writing it to with the historical perspective and with the understanding of genre that they had hmm. i don't know what to do with a lot of that i, I don't even know how to get True. into that perspective True. Um, there's definitely a lot of issues there for sure i <sighs> I personally am not necessarily convinced that you will go to hell. I don't. I don't necessarily know that I think hell is a is a physical place again either. There, there's so many problems with 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 interpreting that in a very literal way. Um, hmm. But I I again, if you want to tell a story about reality that that has that has meaning to it, you have to have a place that you don't want to go. And I, and I don't I don't just mean that. Okay, if you don't listen to me, you're going to go here. I 
I think a, a key part of that story, though, is that is that God, again, not not the understanding of God that you or I have, but the intuition with these stories is that the actual most just thing that could happen will happen, and hmm. you or I have no idea what that's going to look like. That that's at least that's how I in, interpret how I understand these texts is, is is not that okay, well. You believe this, and therefore that mean that equals this, and that equals this. So you're going to go to hell, and I'm going to go to heaven. I don't, I, I don't think that's a Christian way of understanding the Bible. I don't, I don't think that the Bible teaches you how to do like, teaches you how to do this little uh, heaven and hell math equation where you figure out who's going and who's not. I, I mean, I, I definitely see Christians doing that, and I think that we've, we've use that story in 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 that way especially in kind of the past hundred years of christianity there's been a lot of that going around because i mean to me i, I connect that to like free market capitalism and see the way that that ideologies work when when you have a free market of ideas as opposed to like a a community-based structure of of tradition and and of and of passing ideas around as soon as it's a free market you, you get into these these really shitty ways of 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 propagandizing stories and it's like i see the christians did that yes I, I see that everywhere i see that all over the internet that's just the way that we do advertising now for any anything we want to sell and the christians wanted to sell christianity so they they fell into the same trap and it's it's disgusting and it's frustrating and i mean i i hope we can get past it but i mean it, there, there is one side of it where it's just it's it's almost too uh well here's the way i process it okay I, I see it as it's almost too good of a of a deal, too much bang for your buck not to do that. So everybody falls into that trap. Suddenly you can you can fear people into doing what you want them to do. Hmm. But the thing is that I don't think that tradition, that way of talking about these stories is going to last. And I, I think you and I are, are huge evidence that it's not going to last because people see through it and they see that it's bullshit. They see that it doesn't work that way. They they see that that's a not a meaningful story, that that's it, that's that's fear-mongering and that, and that that's abuse and that and that's horrible, right? Mm-hmm. And So that's not going to last longer than a generation. Hmm. People see through that. But these stories aren't going away. So there's, right. to me, it, it points to that there's something deeper about these stories than that really simplistic, really ideological, really <laughs> capitalistic reading. Right. Yeah, well... You know, people get their meanings out of all kinds of things. Um, you can even get meanings out of a commercial. I mean, there could be a commercial that just like really tear jerks. I remember there was a commercial. I don't remember what it was for, but it was a very emotional family commercial. And every time it came on, someone in the family would cry. And it's like, it's just a commercial. It's like for bread or something, guys. Calm down. It's not a big deal. But you, you can tap into that emotion for sure, 100%. And 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 everybody gets their own meaning out of something. Uh but again, I'm going to go right back to we could find a lot better sources than the Bible. There are other sources that say well, this. Why would you say that they're better? Because they don't have in it the things that the Bible has in it, such as I'm a jealous God that 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 uh, punishes children for the sins of their fathers. I'm going to drown the entire planet. Uh, I'm going to get mad at you for eternity because somebody ate an apple or fruit or whatever it was. Uh, there, there, there's uh, how to beat your slave, how to sell your daughter into slavery. Uh, there's there's him getting jealous and sending wild animals after animal or, I, or, or after kids. I, I don't, I don't think you're on the right track there, man. Almost no? all these these other traditions and mythologies have the same crap to try to work through. 
Right, but they don't have that jealous God who's drowning children. Uh, we we don't have they? different stories. That mm, I mean, like uh, Gilgamesh, he has a deity that that saves him. So there's a saving deity that that stops um, the other gods from destroying all of those other gods. So there's always a deity that comes in and saves everybody. I guess I got was it Maui that that, that came in and gave everybody uh, fire. And I remember uh, the end of of Gilgamesh. I listened to that story earlier this year, and it's. It's so long and difficult to it's follow. It's tough. It's tough. But it, it's an old story, and we only have segments of it because it, you know, it didn't last throughout the history, throughout history and whatnot. We don't, we don't have a, the whole thing. But I mean, Gilgamesh is a, is a crazy dude, and he's kind of like super sexist and like yeah. hurts a lot of yeah. people and <laughs> kills a lot of people. And I mean, I, I still think that story is deeply important and, and deeply worth like sorting through the meaning of. I mean, well, yeah. I don't know the, the Odyssey or, or, or Homer stuff. Is much, but. I think there's better stories out there that we can, we, especially nowadays with the, the plethora of movies and books that we have with all these these actual heroes that don't um, do all that stuff. Uh, we, we've evolved. We've evolved. We found a, a better brand of hero, I guess you could say. Uh, like I go back to Star Trek again or, or, or Star Wars even, you know, Luke Skywalker. Do you think those are better stories than, than the story of Christ? Yes, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. No, that's that's easy. Much better. I mean, it's. I, I get you, you. You're stuck the with that question of, of how how do you figure out what what makes I mean, that you just start comparing. Subjective. Well, this is it's well it, it's subjective, but again, I mean, it's intersubjective. We decide as a community what stories we think are better. Well, not really, because there's a lot of stuff that people don't like, and I still like. Um, there's there's uh, yeah. You know, like not everyone can like Star Trek. I have a friend who hates Star Trek, thinks it's yeah. the stupidest thing on the planet. So what? Well, guess what? I happen to like it, and I think there's a lot of good values in there and and fun stories. But that's just my opinion. And well, how, I mean, how do you sort that out? Like, do you feel totally confident of your own kind of subjective opinion about art and about like is that is that the final judgment about how something is valuable to you? My opinion on it, yeah, yeah, not really somebody else. I, you know, I'm not the kind of guy who's swayed too much by others, uh, everybody else's opinion. I'll look into it for myself. I'll do it myself, and I'll see for myself. But how do you? I mean, do you spend a lot of time watching like extremely underground, random C movies that nobody's ever heard of? <laughs> I used to watch a lot of horror movies, though. I got a lot of other little conventions. You okay. know, they pass out their own personal movies. It's still a convention, movies. though. I mean, yeah. I, I, what I'm trying to point to is that we. We can't it's a group for everything. Yeah, we, we can't escape participating in groups. That's just how humans work. Absolutely. Right? But I'm going to be subjective about it. I'm not going to be following the group. I'm not going to. Well, everybody says that. Uh, the, but the, even deciding what movie to watch, it's like there's an algorithm that suggests things, or you go to a store, and what's going to be in that store? Well, it's the stuff that that again abstractly your community has decided is going to end up in that store. I mean, there, there's. There's stories that you could go and find that you know nobody, literally nobody has ever heard of except for the author, but we don't seek those out. We still rely on these sort of community aspects of processing what would be worth my time. I guess to some part, to some part, I'll, I'll agree with that. Um, but at the, at the same time, I do reach out for those odd things, those things that yeah. are less popular and less known. Um, I stay away from a lot of the things that are very popular and known. Sometimes, like the uh, the Schneider cut for that new. Yeah. Oh, it's terrible. Is it actually? Like, oh god, it's like uh, four I, I've hours heard, long I've heard too. Mixed reviews oh. about it. I can't. I can't. I couldn't even get into it. So that's my opinion. A lot of people love it. 
I, I fast forwarded a lot of it just so I could just see the new stuff. Is that new? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Still terrible. <laughs> see, I saved myself. I didn't even watch the original. So if I watch this long version, it'll at least at least it'll all be fresh for me. And then I can be really disappointed when I watch the crappy version later or supposedly <laughs> crappy version. I don't know. They're all terrible. In my book. That's just that's my book. Everybody has their own opinion. And things that are super popular, I'm not always always with. Matter of fact, most of the time the things that are super popular, I don't like. Uh, Twilight. Oh, what a terrible story. <laughs> what a ridiculous right. thing to do with a vampire. Why would you make him sparkly? That that's not even cool, man. It's just I don't know. There's so many so many wrong things with with all this popular stuff. I don't I don't get yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I honestly that makes me think about a little bit like part of the one of the things that we're even forced to do in kind of the modern day uh with again kind of going back to this propaganda thing hmm. the the world is so so full of media trying to compete for your attention hmm. and using whatever strategy they can to grasp at it right and again it's it's either it's either propagandistic that makes you afraid of something or it's pornographic and makes you desire something Right. I'm kind of borrowing from a friend here that has, he recently he wrote a book called um, Reclaiming Art in an Age of Artifice. And he talks about there's, there's fundamentally two, to his terms, there's two kinds of artifice. There's, there's pornography and there's propaganda. Probably just wanted some alliteration, two Ps. So there's lots of PP in the world. <laughs> the, but so, so propaganda, he, he describes it as, as something that's, that manipulates you through fear. Hmm. And pornography is something that intends to manipulate you through desire. All right. And to his perspective, art is something that well it might be manipulative, but it's it's not manipulating you for the artist's intent. The artist doesn't know what it's for. The artist doesn't even know what he's doing when he creates the art. He's tapping into something that that for some reason has has caught his attention and he doesn't understand it and he's leading you down that avenue to go and stare at something you don't understand so that way you will kind of see into a deeper meta dimension of values and, and have to reconsider things and realize that your perspective on the world is not is not as perfect as you thought it was wow that's deep man <laughs> <laughs> i don't know I, I i feel some might do that um but not everybody i mean even with my art i guess as far as the podcasting and the writing and whatnot when i go to write i don't i don't do it with that intention i just do it because well, some thought came into my head and I got to vomit it out. Literally, I sit there and like, I got to, well, give me a piece of paper. <laughs> Somebody find me a paper, I can write it down. And I just got to yeah. get that thought out and process it on paper. Um, but it, so why why does a certain thought seem to be worth your time to go and write about it? Well, throughout the years, I have um, not written things down and regretted it severely. Like, I'll, I'll come up with an idea or or a thought process and later on go back to it and go, wait a minute. I don't re recall exactly how that thought process went or exactly what my wording was. It was so perfect. What was it? And now I just write everything down so I don't lose it. It also helps out with the show too, because I, I have to every week I write a new intro and I have to write a new intro right. every week. So it's like, I have to come up with something. So all these ideas, anything right. that vomits out can eventually uh, be repurposed for that. Uh, so that's right. another reason too. So it, it, it's, it's very helpful. It's very helpful. So, I mean, I mean, I, I obviously do some writing as well. The things that I like tend to want to share are things that like that make me think. Hmm. And True. I mean, potentially, I might just want to put something out there to try to convince people of my opinion because I think I'm so right. 
<laughs> but I kind of feel guilty when I do that. Well, so, sometimes I don't. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> that's that's why a lot of times I I phrase it as a question. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, and I think that really helps out too because I don't I don't want to push my opinion on people, but I want yeah. them to, un, to 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 question things. Well, I mean, uh, I, I I would venture to 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 push back and say that you probably do want to share your opinion about things and force it on people. I do too. <laughs> I, don't I actually, I want people. that. I, I do want to influence people with my opinion to the extent that I have some angle on what would be meaningful, would be truthful to think about reality and, and a better, like if I have mm. some clue as to the better way of living, I want to share that with people and encourage them in that. Um, right. Understandable, like like what I do with break free. I want to the the confines of religion. I I feel that if we broke free from that as a species, as as a, as a as a as a whole, we'd be a lot better. And I guess that at the at the heart, there's lots of reasons I do the podcast and the lots of reasons I have these conversations and 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 write the things I write. And I guess that's part of it. There's there's a big puzzle here. I mean, there's a there's a lot to it, but that is definitely part of it. Um, so freeing ourselves from re religion to me the main thing I gain from that is something that I don't really want, which is just like radical individualism. Hmm. Like, well, participating in a religious community is, I mean, yeah, yeah, there's humanism. So, I mean, so that, yeah. that kind of connects you to like all humans. But mm -hmm. from my perspective, Christianity connects me to my family better, to a, a slightly larger community around that, to everybody who participates in my religion, and then the whole world, and then the whole universe. Like I, well, I, I, that that's the story that my religion, at least that my understanding of my religion, tells me about reality is that that we're all in this literally down to the last star. We're all in this together, and that something there's something meaningful to participate in here, and something meaningful to do, and none of us know what it is. We're all submitted to whatever it is. Well, there's no one right answer, I think. And I think right. you have to find your own meaning in life. You have to find your own purpose. Yeah. And, and and some people can't find it. Some people struggle with that. Some people are told this is your meaning in, in life, and, and they don't want that to be their meaning in life, so they struggle their whole life uh, just trying to fight that. And so, yeah, I mean, I found my meaning. I found my purpose, yeah. and, I, and I, I, I go through every day with it. You know, my family, my podcast, my writing, uh, even the people at work, you know, that, I find meaning in everything. I, I try to at least. And and I don't need <laughs> here we go. I don't need the religion. I don't need the, the, the religion part of it to do that. Well, I mean I need, you know. there is a certain liturgy that you have with your family and probably with your coworkers. Like I, I, I don't know why you would say that the that you're not participating in a religion. Like you do things with your family that, that kind of um make a collective statement that that you are a unified entity that you are a family right you okay, watch movies yeah. together maybe or i don't know I, what you do, do you go to say the a religion park? though i mean we, yes we're a group we're a family we're a commune i guess you could okay. say com communion of people that all live in the same area and do the same things um but that's not how i would describe a religion yeah so i, I guess we're trying to c contrast it with like something I don't know. I, I, trying to understand what a religion is is kind of a weird question because it, it's again it, like yeah. in our current moment we kind of look at it as something that's like okay it's a cultural association that's not your country cultural association because that's legal but then you have like some other community you're associated with to me that's all it is it's just community association like yeah. in, in order for you to have a relationship with a community you have 
you have shared myths. You have a shared story about what's going on in reality. So, I mean, the conservative religion is definitely a religion from my perspective. It's like there's, there's, there's people who have a certain understanding of what's bad and what's good about reality and how to pursue what's good and how to defend against what's bad. And to them, it's, you know, it's, it's fight off the libs and it's, you know, <laughs> it's fight for more, uh, well, I mean, you see what I'm saying, though. It's just that. Yeah. So there's a community, and it's based around values. It's based around stories, and there's participation in that community through ritual, through liturgy, through doing things together, through having events, through kind of proclaiming the unity of the group. Like, I mean, going to a, a big Trump rally. It's like, okay, that's okay. We're we're saying that we're one thing, and we're we're spending our attention on on being a bigger thing, transcending ourselves, and being part of a larger group. To me, that's a very religious activity. So you would call Trump. Stirs, uh, Trumpsters. I have, I don't know how I hadn't heard that one yet, but sure. <laughs> so, would you consider them to have their own religion? And, and sure, like, yeah, I would say that. Donald's at the top there. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely their uh, their their Christ figure. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's scary. That's scary. Yeah, uh, man. But I mean, well, it's just I guess that, yeah, that's your definition of religion. That's how you just would describe it. And if if that's how you would describe religion, then there's a well, lot of what, what's radically different about that than than Christianity or than Hinduism or than you know these various other things that we kind of would would call. I mean, obviously they have they have a fundamental text that they can look at and say this is our religious text. Well, some of starters. them actually. I'm not sure yeah, if everybody has the same kind of canon that Christianity does, but the the thing is with that is my family's present. My family's here. I, I don't have a godhead that I go to. There's no invisible man. There's no invisible uh, curses or nothing like that. It's just you you mentioned rituals. Yeah, we do a ritual for Christmas, so for instance, or birthdays. We have our yeah. own things that we do. It's 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 not really. Um, necessary we can change it up like every year for christmas we do something a little bit different we're still trying to find that that rhythm I mean, right but what's that rhythm years, but... you find something that like that feels right to your family and that like kind of that everybody enjoys and, and can agree on absolutely sure uh, so you're discovering the spirit things. of your family i would say <laughs> yeah yeah but then then you you do consult that spirit you you do actually talk to that invisible entity when you're when you're choosing how you live when you're not actually with those people. For, again, sorry, I, I'm throwing much a lot at you and I'm accusing you of stuff, but I, I'm just trying to, yeah. to to apply this this narrative um, understanding of, of of religion and stuff to the situation. So like, I'll, I'll do it with myself instead. I don't want to I want to pull you into this, but I mean, yeah, when I participate in my family. And we do something together. I feel more a part of the family, for one thing. So that's that's well, part yeah, of the, the importance of like the community. For yeah. Sure. Okay. So there's there's that important part of ritual of like yeah participating in, in a larger group. But then, when I'm making decisions, when I'm not physically present with my family, I do have this abstraction of what it is that my family would let me do or would be happy with me doing that I consult whenever I'm doing stuff. I think about okay, as a part of this family, is this something that we do as a family? No, that's, or no, this is something that my family does. Like that, that's a part of the conversation that's happening in my head when I'm, when I'm living, even when I'm not with my family. Right. That happens in your head. It's your conscience. It's your, it's your, it's right. your brain generating these ideas of, well, that would be a bad idea. This would be a good idea. I don't see that as a spirit though. I mean, we can even, if you want to, we can call it a, uh, your conscious a spirit. Let's call it Jiminy Cricket. You know, he just sits there and sure. tells you what to do, and it's the right thing or wrong thing. I mean, I I don't need. <sighs> I mean, you still you still need an abstraction. 
that's just that's just what you're 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 calling it is is, is that uh yeah spirit well I, i'm that. trying to kind of i'm trying to see if i can make sense of why it is that my tradition uses these words like spirit well, I, and see, like, I understand your, your yeah. idea of it and why you think that um i just i just don't accept it <laughs> sorry well i mean but you you accept the extraction part though right yeah i mean abstraction not extraction yeah for the most part for the most part and like it goes back to our conscience and in our in our our view in our history and our our um, experiences within the family we know exactly you know if i come home with with uh, the wrong thing for the kid it's the it's the wrong food that he likes or whatever he's right. like dad you know me you know better like that's just common sense at that point i don't need a invisible force and whatnot I mean, you you need it as soon as you're not like as soon as he's not actively saying that to you. You need your memory of that instance, and then you codify it, and it becomes part of the way that you participate in your family. I guess, right? I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I I, I know. I I can see the 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 cringe as I as I try to bring up these terms, and I I definitely understand that. Like trying to even trying to. I've had a lot of sensitivity to like trying to re come to terms with a lot of the Christianese that I grew up in because a lot of it to me, I definitely can relate to your experience of feeling extremely misunderstood and, and extremely hurt by it. And I was hurt by a lot of people within, within my community growing up too. And I'm not trying to justify that. I, yeah, I, we have a lot of work to do of Christianity too, you know I mean? So I don't, I'm not mad at all humans uh, yeah. because you know, I've been hurt by people that aren't Christians. Um, it, it, I, I go back to the, um, to the, the, the hate the sinner or hate the sin. Freudian <laughs> <laughs> slip. I, I go back to that, you know, it, it, you, you hate the, I hate the religion, but I love the people. Mm. I don't think we need the religion. I think we can get what do without that. Throw in some humanism. Kumbaya. Let's all hold hands and, and do something great together. But that's, let's, let's, you said throw in some humanism. So you wouldn't call humanism a religion? No, I wouldn't call it a religion. I think it's an idea, but I wouldn't call it a religion. So how, how would you contrast it from a religion? Well, there's no holy book. There's no deity. There's no worshiping of anything. We're just going to work together and try and make things. There's no worshiping of anything? No, I don't, I don't believe humanism is a worship of anything. Well, okay. So, so worship to you means like, Singing a song or like uh, sacrificing Raising something, your hands, bowing down to something, sure. giving it something. Would clapping be an act of worship in, from your perspective? <laughs> no, I guess that would be just going with the song, going with the rhythm. No, I mean like applauding. Yeah. Apply? No, no, that would be agreeing. It's like saying amen, but in secular. So why why is that? You know, what's different about that than worshiping something? Well, again, you're not, there's, there's no, um, yeah, I don't even see how that would be worshiping something. I mean, I can't, I can't even put to it me, together. To, okay. So, so, so from my perspective, when I am, you know, especially in a crowd and I'm watching an incredible band perform after the song is done, there's a roarous applause, right? People clap and they job. scream, Woo, yeah. right? So there's That's agreement awesome. and what, uh -huh what are we doing? We're saying, we even, we intuitively understand that there's, okay, there's, depending on the level of, of the, of the volume of the applause, that tells us something about how good the, the performance was. A celebration of it. I would right. Go yeah, it's exactly. I would sure. And it's celebration, maybe is a, maybe is a better word. Maybe, maybe there's too much, too much crappy baggage that's associated with the word worship. But absolutely. I to me, a celebration 
especially to the extent that okay so i like I, I like the word worship especially just because of the etymology of having to do with worth right so if something mm-hmm. is worth more we can tell because we get a there's a louder applause that's to me that's I that's a, subjective though that's those it's not subjective though it's intersubjective it's a, one person in the crowd that i hate that song why do they even play that song right but you it's know. not it's not about any one per- person in the crowd deciding it's what the crowd thinks is a valuable performance why why is the individual left out why is it's not that they're left out it's that it's not about any in particular individual specific i mean it is it's about every individual individual but they're all participating in a larger in a larger thing that is that crowd and the crowd is saying what it thinks is is worthwhile uh-huh but that doesn't make it worthwhile though that's I, it, no. that's what no, i'm trying to get it doesn't make it right. objectively worthwhile right so so it, it doesn't make it a, it makes it it's a clue as to what people think is worthwhile okay many and people think, right? that a lot of times i do <laughs> yeah sure you know and, and i think that's like that's an important part of of participating in a group is that it, like i mean if everybody just always thought the same thing it, <laughs> it well you for one thing you wouldn't you wouldn't have different levels of applause right you, you wouldn't have louder or softer applause everybody it would always be full applause right but one of the one of the things that we feel is so like crazy when you like it's like the especially moving thing is like when when somebody rips like the best solo you've ever heard and you hear the entire crowd go nuts there's something special about that because nobody's left out everybody says that was fucking awesome <laughs> right right so that that's different than just me saying i really liked that this is the crowd we feel it that there's something more meaningful more valuable about that moment that suddenly whoa Right. This this is the whole crowd saw something here that was so deeply impressive and so deeply meaningful and worthwhile that I get from my perspective, we worship it. Hmm. Yeah, see, I can just be we agree with it and we um, enjoy it was the word I'm looking for. We um, I guess enjoy it is where I'm stuck at right now. We enjoy. OK, so we enjoy it and we think it's good. Right. There you go. Right. So. All right. That's. That, that's, that's a perfectly good um, good definition of what worship is to me. Okay. So you just enjoy it. No, not not just enjoy it. It's like that I think it's good. It's good. Well, yeah, you think it, you think the worship is good or what you're worshiping is good? Right. It's worshiping to me is me saying, I think this is good. Ah. So we're going to go to, well, do you worship Yahweh? Yeah. And why do you think he's good? Partly my experience of of Yahweh through through the stories of my tradition mm-hmm. and through my personal experience with you know I don't know with with the with the transcendent there, it's like you know there's there's people that have personal experiences with other deities sure that are good um to, does that make those deities real I mean I I, I would d- d- again depending on sort of what you mean by a deity if, if it's sort of an abstraction of of consciousness and I a lot of my orthodox friends would kind of would think about deities in that way they would mm. like I have, I have a friend I was talking to recently he was saying that I mean this is what I was talking about families that he said that like within the Catholic Church or within certain sects of the Catholic Church when somebody gets married it's it's like it's the case that their marriage becomes an angel mm. right and so it's it's the abstraction of both of them and you know, at, at least he said that this is this is more canon. Is that when there's a church community, there's an angel of that church, 
which is like the again the the abstracted consciousness of that collective group the, so this group of so each individual church has an angel I, th- I think that's what the Catholic tradition says. I, it's I, very interesting. I, that's not, I, I'm kind of stepping outside of my own, in, in my tradition, my like evangelical tradition, not super comfortable with that sort of language. <laughs> I just find it really interesting and, and, and hearing different theories of consciousness and what it is and, and starting to wonder about some of those questions. I don't know. Maybe that's what, con- like maybe consciousness is sort of emergent or maybe it's, it's about <laughs> finding some cohesion of like lower entities. I mean, why, why do I think of myself as conscious or con? Like conscious, it's like conscience. Conscious, yeah, I get mixed up with those words sometimes. <laughs> but like, there's something that seems to be sort of emergent here. Like, there's a whole bunch of stuff, a whole bunch of matter, a whole bunch of cells. But mm-hmm. somehow, I see a unity to what is me, and I think of it as a as a thing rather than just a whole bunch of stuff. Right? Mm-hmm. Why is it that I think that way? All that stuff is our brain, I'm sure, in, our, in, yeah. in the history of humankind itself. And it's like, is, is that just a trick our brain is playing, or, or are we like? figuring out something about the way reality is. I, I don't really know the answer to that question, but it, it seems to me that if I'm willing to make the jump of calling myself a thing and not just a bunch of stuff, mm-hmm. that it might make sense to call a crowd a thing. And obviously language has, has evolved around that, that we think of a crowd as a thing. It's a collective noun, right? It's not just a bunch of people. Yeah, but it's not a person still. It's like saying no, a corporation no, is a person. Is there, there's a difference between a person and a crowd, right? They, they, they operate on a different level of reality. Hmm. Like the the way groups think about things is different than the way individuals think about things. So it, it seems that it's it, like linguistics. It seems to be telling us that there's something useful about thinking about groups and not just individuals. Yeah. Well, like the humanism, you know, the whole group as a whole, we all think about everybody else, not just yourself. Um, and then, you know, that's what are you worshiping in humanism? Well, I mean, the the fundamental thing about humanism is is that it's about humans, right? So there's, so there's worship there's, humans as a whole. Is that what you're? I mean, if we get mixed up in this word worship again, but I I would say sort of yeah. I, I, I that seems to be the case that that's and and like to, hmm. to some extent I would consider myself a humanist. It's just that that's not as deeply a part of my the the, the, the tradition that I would want to associate with as Christianity because I think that the, the story that Christianity tells is bigger and includes more than that. I, I think Christianity tells the story of humanism that there's something deeply meaningful and, and valuable about humans and that i mean christianity says that we're created in the image of god and who knows what the hell that means but yeah <laughs> we talked about that earlier yeah <laughs> there's it's quite a thing yeah so <laughs> i i i think humanism is good i just don't think it's good enough hmm. like well, I, I don't think there's anything out there that will be good enough for everybody and you, you know, again, it brings back to the subjective. You know, what what works for you? What, you know, as long as it's not harming anybody else, I guess it's okay. You can believe in Jesus, or you can believe in Buddha or Muhammad or whatever. As long as you're doing the best you can to 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 benefit uh, your fellow man, your planet, your, your the people you have to live here with, uh, uh, the animals and whatnot. I mean, you said it's not it. as long as it doesn't harm people. So I mean, that's that's an intuition that you have and that people seem to agree on a lot. That we don't want to have. Uh, a lot of harm, but like mm-hmm. fundamental. So, so what is, is harm? It's like forcing yourself on somebody. Is it killing things, or what? What is harm? Is it is it just the, the sensation of displeasure, it could be psychological, or okay. could be physical? I mean, it just depends. It, it, but I mean, everybody's different. I have like, negative feelings when I when somebody tells me that they don't like the song that I wrote. Yeah, you know? is is that is that harm? 
see, there's a lot of gray area. I'm not the expert on it. I'm just letting you know that that's probably the best way to go about things. Uh, as far as your song, yes, okay, let's say you had a song and it really wasn't that great. And somebody said, dude, it's right. really not that great. Maybe you could do better. The harm would be, yes, it hurts you, but in the long run, it's beneficial because now you know not to go that route. Right. But you I know, thought, okay, maybe I mean, you should change it up a from little. a certain perspective. Even art is totally subjective, right? So how can they even tell me that it's not that good? <laughs> true, very true. Well, if you're making it to 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 spread to the masses, and if you want people to listen to it, you better have at least right. something so, that's decent. And I mean, at least part reason. of that might just maybe the reason I want to share it with the masses is just because I want to make money. But I mean, if you talk yeah. to most artists, I mean, I'm I'm sure for you, even this is the case. I don't I don't know if this is like the main source of your income doing this show. I, I assume. I don't know. Is is this okay? I assume not. Definitely not. <laughs> I, I, cool, but no. I, I don't I don't make any money doing this thing either. This is just like yeah. I'm doing it. Why? Because definitely not for the money. Yeah, that's for sure. It's like something about. I mean, <laughs> I, I wonder if you have an, an answer to that question. Why are you Why are you doing your show? I enjoy it. Number one. Okay. I enjoy the crap out of this. I would be having these conversations regardless of the show. Right. I was having these conversations regardless of the show. That's how the show yeah. started. My wife said. Somebody's going to want to listen to these conversations. I said, fine. I'll put out there. <laughs> Here we go. I'll, I make a show, and then the rest is history at this point. But I can't stop having these conversations. I think it's so much fun to have these conversations. I love diving into this kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, I think so. I, I, I'm with you there. But I mean, as far as so specifically, so other people might want to listen to these conversations. Why does that matter? That that matters because what I have to say is different from what the guy in the pulpit has to say. And I think what the guy in the pulpit has to say is detrimental to humans in the long run. So if I can throw my two cents in, if I can make a little ripple in the pup in the in the water, you know, right. if I can be that pebble that starts something, then so I'm gonna try. It, it sounds like out there. like to do what you're doing is harmful to a certain uh, group of people who are trying to tell a certain story about reality. Ah, but in the I, long run, it's. Beneficial. I think it's a good kind of harm. Yeah, I I agree with yeah. the harm that you're doing, but I'm I'm it's saying that like surgery. The, the point yeah. that I'm trying to say is that you we we're talking about earlier about values about what's what's good and and what what's good about humanism is trying to get away from harm, mm -hmm. and like, yeah, I don't want harm, but there seems like there's a meaningful version of harm too. So maybe the, like I, I guess I'm I'm making a I'm I'm trying to. I don't know. I, I guess I'm just trying to argue with you here on this, that, that I don't think a, that harm is a good enough thing to be against. Hmm. Well, it, it's a good starting point. Sure. And yeah, I like I said, there's a lot of gray, gray areas in there. Uh, we go to surgery, for instance. Yeah, you're going to have to, like, I've had surgery. They had to cut me open. That's beneficial, but it's harmful at the same time. Yeah. So I think, yes, there is some instances where some harm is needed in order for the beneficial to come. And that's where I see the religious part of it. We, the, you, in order to fix the problem, in order to, to, to get better at it, in order to, to solve the issue. Yeah. And, that, and that's where I'm at. But so, rather than just simple any harm being against <laughs> that, I, I want to pitch you a, a version of, of religion. It doesn't have to be Christianity, but just a, a religious perspective. I want to see if you agree with this. Got it. Do you think that it might be uh, a more useful story to say, I'm not actually sure what the worst stuff is out there. I have some clues about it, but in general, I just want to be against what is bad. Mm. 
and I want to seek out and try to spread what is good. Okay. And to have the humility to say that I don't know what either one of those things are perfectly. Mm. Do okay. you do you think that's a good story about how to live life? <laughs> no, those details sound too fuzzy for me, man. I need to hear some more details on what exactly it is. Well, I, I'm not trying to, again, I'm not trying to just jump to Christianity. But yeah, no, no, any religion, any any kind of belief, any kind of um, so, I mean, role center, I guess. That's at least the stage I want to set is say, okay, there's bad stuff and there's good stuff. And we don't want the bad stuff and we want the good stuff. But mm -hmm. the... The, the, again, the pivotal thing that I think is really important for your religious understanding of reality, and again, I, I've kind of already made the claim, I think everybody's religious. I don't think you can get around that. Um, but <laughs> And we'll disagree on that. We'll, we'll agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, well, I, I want to come back to that because I, I mean, I, I want to get to the bottom of that disagreement. But if, if it's the case, if we could tuck that under the rug for a second, if it's the case that everybody's religious and, and we're all, we're all, and again, what I mean by that is just that we're all living by a certain story about reality and what, about what is good and what is bad and what to run away from and what to run towards. I think it's a really deeply important, a deeply important part of that story to recognize or to have that to kind of, um, to, I'm not sure what the word I'm looking for is, but to, to, to include that little detail of, okay, we don't actually, to make good and evil holy things, to make them abstract things that we, we can't totally wrap our minds around. And I don't mean just to like always excuse them as a total mystery and not even try to engage with them. But right. I think it's, it's important to have a key feature of our understanding of what is good and what is evil as that I, I can't comprehend it. Well, again, like the best thing you can do, what I, what I, the best thing I can do is whatever causes less harm. And, and that's where I'm at with it. I mean, it, it's, there's going to be some issues. There's going to be some gray areas. There's going to be some difficulties along the way. I don't have all the answers, 100%. I'm definitely not the smartest man in the room most of the time. So, But what I can do is I, I can see what's beneficial and what's harmful. And if something's going to be harmful for a second, such as surgery or, or hearing the, the blatant truth about your Bible, you know, it's beneficial in the long run for you to, to be discomforted for a little bit. And, and I, I can't really... You know, every situation is different. Um, again, I don't have all the answers. So that's just where I start. That's my basis. And, and, and I don't always get it right. 100% don't always get it right. I don't have all the answers to yeah. it. You know, I don't know where it's going to go if I say this or do this, you know, but I can kind of think it out and go, well, if I have this kind of reaction, what's going to cause it later? If I do this instead of this, you know, if I don't pay my car payment, what do you think is going to happen? You know, yeah. I mean, there, there's repercussions to different things. Um, and you, you just, you got to hash it out, man. Each individual thing as it comes up, uh, which we've, we've, we've done a lot of, which is a lot of fun. <laughs> so I guess what I'm trying to say is that if you think all of that and that's right, and maybe it isn't to me, it, it's, right. that sounds right. I don't. And if that's that, right, exactly. yeah. then even in my understanding of my religious perception of reality and my religious narrative that I tell myself about reality, it may be the case that that you're more likely to uh, to go to end go to heaven or to to end up in a better place at least than than certain Christians that I know. Well, well, my brother seems to think once saved, always saved. So that's <laughs> well. There you go. You've at least got that ticket. <laughs> so apparently, I've got a ticket regardless. <laughs> Dude, well, I don't even know if I want to be in heaven, man. I don't know. That place doesn't sound very fun to me. Well, maybe you just don't know what heaven's really like. Well, true too. You know, I don't even know. There's lots of different variations and interpretations, and, and 
different religions have different heavens and different places and what again like when it comes to those so you can have you have the good stuff and the bad stuff and then you want to abstract that to a place or you want to want to attach that to a place it's okay there's the best place and there's the worst place <laughs> and it's like okay i can i can do my best to try to imagine what the best place might be like or what the worst place might be like mm. and again those it's great to try to do that but to recognize that there's a limit to your ability to do that i think is, is again really important so i think that well, absolutely all, all these stories about heaven and about hell that even that my tradition has attempted to tell I think it's great that we're trying to do that. I don't think we got it right. And I think I think that's implicit in the text, though. I, I think part of being a Christian is to admit that our stories are all wrong. Hmm. Well, it, 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 I don't know if you've seen that um, the Twilight Zone, which is an older one, where the guy's sitting and he's like, oh, you're in heaven. He's like, yeah, I'm winning the pool game. He gets the girls. He always wins the card games. Then he realizes after like a couple of weeks, wait a minute. All I'm doing is winning. I'm not in heaven. I'm actually in hell because I can't lose. I'm just always winning. And I'm so sick of this. I don't want to do this right. anymore. And I, I and, and and I think think of that as everybody else's version of heaven. You know, I'm going to see all my family. We're going to be together forever. We're going to live in a right. city of yeah, gold. Totally. You know how awful gold is to see around. Here <laughs> yeah, it's horrible, man. Streets like we have the the here. what's the King Midas story, right? The Midas right. touch. It's like exactly it's you know, whatever you conceive of heaven. Again, it goes to the ideology thing. As soon as you kind of as soon as you bring God down, as soon as you bring your conception of what the best thing is down and worship that, mm. you begin to see how horrible that world, especially if you really follow it out, you begin to see mm. how horrible that world would be. Yeah, and so I, I think, yeah, to, to think about heaven as, or to think about God, to think about any of these, you know, these, to use sort of a Christian phrase, holy things. <laughs> Whenever we try to think of these things and we we assume that we've actually got them figured out and that we've we've got a final interpretation of what those things are, we we do something really dangerous to ourselves and to the people around us. But obviously, you know, you and I both feel convinced that it's it's worth trying to share even our limited pers- perspectives, right? Absolutely, and that's why we're here. I I think that it's yeah. it's important to do that on a group level too. I, I think that having a religion, despite the fact that the stories you're going to tell about reality are not going to be perfectly right. I don't know. I I, I feel we- leery to even say this because it's like there's, there's obviously so many travesties you can look at that that religions have done christianity included and especially yeah i don't want i don't want to just sweep those under the rug but i don't want to say despite that but even even in light of that it, it seems that it might be meaningful to continue to participate in a, in a large group and to and to seek meaning on that level as well yeah and i think we could do it without the bible i mean <laughs> we could try i, I, I don't know if we can it, honestly honestly but that's just my stance Dude, Again, thanks, agree to disagree. Thanks for getting into the weeds on this stuff with me for a little bit. I <laughs> I love going the weeds, rabbit holes. I call them squirrels. You know, I'll chase a squirrel everywhere, man. You throw one across. Let's, let's go. <laughs> That's good stuff, man. Well, thanks love for coming on, coming on and having a conversation with me. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And coming on my show. Totally, man. Yeah, and if uh, people listening, watching this, want to go check that out, you can find... I mean, I, I'm glad you wore the t-shirts here to make it easy, easy to find this, but... This is like you all I wear. Just check out them. Mike's uh, podcast and book. I didn't get to go buy the book. Go, yeah. go check out the podcast. Support this guy. Bible says what? <laughs> Good stuff, man. Well, thanks again. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Well, that was interesting. If you enjoyed this conversation, consider sharing it with someone else you think might find it interesting. Even better, try to find someone you think might disagree with something here and take some time to listen to their perspective. 
try to have a meaningful, good-faith conversation. Practice listening deeply and patiently, and speaking clearly and precisely. I think if we can get better at this, we might actually change the world. Anyway, thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time. 